This week's guest's name is Alina Gavrilov. She is a 2021 Baylor University graduate, majoring in humanitarian engineering and minoring in mathematics. She's a first-generation Russian-Ukrainian-American, as well as she is Vitalu's Director of Culture and Community. This is a great episode. Tap in for great insight, perspective, and lots of love. Tap in. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Campus Cuts, a multicultural, intergenerational show that brings together students, faculty, entrepreneurs, and athletes, and all members of the community of life to chop it up in the virtual barbershop. I'm your guest and your host, Tanaka Tava, and today I have an incredible guest here. Um, She's a community leader. She's somebody that's dedicated to humanitarian efforts, somebody that is so kind, so gentle, and, but hey, she will tear you up in a debate. Um, the homie, the <laughs> home dog, um, uh, somebody that I'm inspired by, Alina Gavrilov. Welcome to the show. Shout out to the director of community and culture at Vitalu. Welcome, long time coming. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And also that was a really fun intro. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah, no problem, no problem. I, you know, I just gotta let the people know who um, they're about to be introduced. Um, so this has been a long time coming. So I apologize for the delay. Uh, we're back to back episodes of Campus Cuts on a Tuesday. So because we're coming back strong. And I just want to say I'm super grateful for you taking the time um, just to come on the show and let's just chop it up. Yeah, oh, I've been really looking forward to this too. So yeah, yeah. Is this your first time on a podcast or anything like that? It's actually not. It's okay. I think my second time on a podcast. I went on the Better Together podcast. Have you heard about them? Yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Which was a fun time. I love them so much. And Josh has a really cool Josh Ritter has a really cool podcast. Oh, Josh Ritter has a great podcast. I'm an active listener, and I love the stuff that he has to say and has to bring. So, well, well, I'm glad that you have a little bit of podcast experience because we're about to go diving in. Um, so, of course, you know, I introduced you, but I would love for you to introduce yourself. So, of course, go with what's your name, your year, um, major, and I guess occupation and hometown. <laughs> All right. So, well, my name is Alina Gavrilov. Like you guys have heard, um, I am a humanitarian engineering major at Baylor University. Just actually finished my last final yesterday, so I guess I'm officially done. And congratulations! Congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, graduating on Friday. So hopefully, I feel like maybe once I walk across the stage, I'll feel like feel some closure, you know. Um, But yeah, I'm also a mathematics minor can't forget that. Took a lot of hard work. Um, And my hometown is Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's where I was born and raised. I am a first-gen Russian-Ukrainian. My parents moved over here from different parts of Russia and Ukraine and Uzbekistan is where my family is from. Um, So yeah, am I forgetting anything? Um, no, that's perfect. That's exactly what it is. And that's exactly, um, wow. So that's a lot to unpack there. You know, of course, you know, you are in the STEM, you're in the field of STEM, 
I would definitely want to tap into that a little bit later. But um, you did mention it, that you are a first generation American. So, of course, you know, with the introduction, I want people to get a little bit of a deeper background of who you are and what made you, um, you know, what's your journey? What's your background? So I guess the question is, who is Alina? Who are you? <laughs> That's such a good question. And I could answer that in like, you know, a few minutes or a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> so which version are you? Um, well, you know what? This is, a, you know, the time we got 45 minutes, you got anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour. So it's up to your prerogative. Um, and then we'll just dive deeper. Okay. Well, wow. Who is Alina? Um, I think my, yeah, my family history definitely defines a really big part of me. And especially like pre-college, college, I feel like is where a lot of us find who we are kind of independently from our families. But, you know, before then, still the majority of my life so far, um, have I come from a really, really big family. I have so many cousins. My mom comes from a family of nine children and they all have a lot of their own children. My dad comes from a family of 11. So I have a lot of cousins. I'm actually not yeah. even sure if I counted how many, but like <laughs> over 50 for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, very close to my family. I grew up going to a fully like Russian-speaking Baptist church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which I feel like is a surprise for some people that that even exists, but it for sure does. And there are actually a lot of like Russian churches spread out through the U.S. And kind of, I, I guess that's where I found and got connected to my heritage in a deeper way and kind of was exposed to a lot of Russian culture and um, traditions um, kind of woven into the way that we expressed and practiced our faith, which I think looking back, I'm so grateful that I got to do that. And I think it's a really big privilege that I, growing up in the US was still able to be exposed to some of my family's heritage and culture and like claim that as my own. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, definitely grew up in a very, culturally Slavic household and family um, while also growing up in the American culture in school and out and about like in the world. So that it just poses it. It's just an interesting dynamic. Yeah. That way. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And like, I want you to talk about that because it sounds like you were in the best of like, you were in between two worlds, right? You know, the, the typical, you know, when most people think about first generation Americans, uh, you know, I've read books such as Humble the Poet, or, you know, you're just talking even my own life where, you know, I live in this area where there's like, hey, you know what, there's a heavy, you know, influence at home where we might speak the language or listen to the language or listen to the food, or also like, hey, when you get to school, it's like this whole different thing. Like, um, talk about how was that navigating the in-between when you were younger and how you were able to, you know, um, how that helped define who you are? Yeah, I mean, I think there were points when I was younger, points in my life where I definitely wish that I could fit in more with the American culture and with some of my American friends. And um, I think like there's a certain level of comparison that's unavoidable when you're little and you're growing up in a culture that's different from what you see all around you. Right. So, um, which I think 
I mean, it might sound kind of bad, but I don't think it's bad in the long run. It just makes you like think a little bit deeper as a kid. And now, of course, looking back, I'm so, so grateful that I grew up the way that I did and that I grew up speaking Russian as my first language and like, being connected to the Russian culture in that way, um, Russian and Ukrainian cultures in that way. But overall, I feel like growing up as a first gen has given me the ability to um, be like empathetic towards differences in general and to, I guess, be, I mean, part of this is just my personality maybe, but to be culturally humble and like just aware of like cultural nuances and to just be able to like, I don't know. I think, I feel like we've talked about this before, being a first gen, it gives you kind of a bird's eye view of what's happening around you. And you get to kind of like sit right. back and observe everybody. Right. <laughs> um, because <laughs> I, I definitely identify with American culture a lot in a lot of ways, but in some ways I'm like, I get to like sit back and observe it. And the same thing with um, Russian culture as well. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that bird's eye view. And I also like with my last previous guest with Mr. Mr. Cumberbatch, we talked about the fact of like how um, we've noticed that this this tendency of most children of immigrants, they have some sort of like chip on their shoulder that helps them, you know, I guess, achieve more, uh, quote unquote, or say, or they have some sort of underlying like this, at least, you know, this underlying burning passion of like, hey, because I've been granted with that privilege, because I've, I've seen it and I've seen the perspective and how much and how long and how hard it took for my parents to come, I'm ready. I, I understand that my life is bigger than me, than just my idea. How, do you feel like that's pretty re uh, relevant in your life or this idea of like um, that sort of similar feelings and some sort of like situations wherever you go? Absolutely. I mean, there's, I don't have the option of not succeeding at, in like in school and in things, whatever I choose to do, like definitely there's that greater responsibility of like caring for your family after they get older. And I'm also the oldest, I have three younger siblings as well. So yeah, definitely a lot of pressure, pressure from a lot of sides. And I mean, the guilt tripping of immigrant parents is not a joke. Yeah. And it's just kind of built in. It's like not, I mean, they have every right, I feel like, to guilt trip us kids because they did sacrifice a lot and did go through some pretty um, tough times. But definitely, I definitely relate to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, for anybody, like, what are some practical advice for, actually, no, you said that you have no option but to succeed. That's a bold statement. Why? Um, well, first of all, because I have three younger siblings coming up after me. Um, so I guess I could talk about college in general, like the, yeah. the whole college application process. It was tough for me. I, I remember like going through as a senior, there's just a lot of unknowns. And so I, I saw the way that some of my friends at school approached this and how much like support they had from their parents, like filling out these applications and applying for scholarships and whatever, and like getting coaches to help them through like ACT and SAT tests, things like that, things 
things like that first gen are usually I feel like probably going to be doing on their own and it just takes like a greater amount of effort and, and work yeah why do I feel like I don't have the option to not succeed I think because I feel a responsibility to my family and to my siblings and I also recognize that like I mean my family just doesn't have a lot of financial like wealth and um generational wealth and so once i just recognize that once my parents get older like it's just a practical thing like i will need to take care of them or someone will need to take care of them so like very practical things like that definitely i feel like shape have shaped my character for sure mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and have you felt like that has made you more kinder because I know like in, in a situation where like that could easily be allow one person to become bitter, become like kind of like, ah, it's unfair. But I mean, for you and just like, you know, our relationship through our friendship is like, you're so kind. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're just so kind and you have so much empathy and you have such a huge heart. And so have you felt like that has helped you become more kinder and more in touch and empathetic with the people, with the people that you interact with? Yeah. Well, thank you, first of all. And um, second of all, yeah, that's so interesting. I don't I don't know if I've ever thought about like somebody in my situation turning bitter. So this is like mind blowing for me, um, but it does make sense. Yeah, I guess I've never felt like, I've never felt like the responsibility is and the pressure is necessarily like a burden if that makes sense or like a negative burden like it is it is pressure and it's challenging and it's tough but I was able to like I was still able to choose the area that I wanted to succeed in you know I wasn't like forced into some field that I didn't belong in and I think that's something that's really special about this country is you have options and um yeah so that kind of brings me into like engineering and choosing that and i think maybe because i am a more driven person but yeah it doesn't feel like a burden to have to care for my family and to to have to carry this pressure because partially i guess because again of the the guilt tripping that's kind of subconscious like my parents are great they they, they don't like guilt trip me a ton but it's just kind of the reality which right. i'm sure you understand so yeah i don't feel like right. it's a negative burden right right that's good that's a really good and that's also like another healthy way to see that because i know that that could have easily be a situation where anybody can just be like ah bruh boo mm -hmm. Um, but I really like how like you have that healthy dynamicism and one that re dose of reality of like, hey, you know what, this is going to be something that I'm going to be mindful of. But at the same time, though, it's um, it's a privilege and an honor because, you know, it's the birthright. Being the eldest is a birthright. You think about like Jacob and Esau, the story, that biblical story. And it's like, hey, you know what? I guess you're called to here, be here. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Also, oh, I've never man. thought about that either. Really? <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely not in the not in the story of Jacob and Esau. Which is such an interesting thing because then he ended up trading his birthright in and 
then it was like Messi who actually was or who actually had the birthright. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And so now, of course, you know, you're you're in this field. You decided to get into the study of engineering. Um, you are a first gen, you know, like, of course, besides the labels, but you're somebody in a field that where a lot of people don't look like you. A lot of people don't think like you do. Um, talk about that. What what was your interest in getting into engineering, into designing, especially in a field that's more hum humanitarian based? Talk about the reasons why you decided to jump into that, you know, that field of study. Yeah. So in high school, I got to be part of this, like, um, half of the day, like I would be in high school and then the other half, we would get bused over to this like tech school which is a really cool program that like the public school system in Tulsa does. And you could do like the engineering campus or the health campus and get to take a couple of intro classes and just very basic, like what is engineering? And that kind of helps high school students decide what they're interested in. And I got to do the engineering one and I loved it. We had like a robotics club that I was part of and I've just always really enjoyed math and physics and so yeah the reason really I guess is my teachers would just tell me like oh you should think about being an engineer otherwise I don't know if I would ever have really considered it since you're right there aren't many people who look like me and definitely aren't people who look like me in my family and in my circles that I would have known to be like, oh, that's an engineer that I could be. So huge shout out to teachers who see potential in their <laughs> students and <laughs> yeah, life into that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I didn't really have a good grasp. Like I understood that engineers do a lot of math and science and hands-on things. I just didn't really understand the scope and like exactly what engineers do. And there's so much and I don't even know now like that I'm a senior I don't even know all of the opportunities that are out there but um yeah definitely I guess those strengths in like math and physics were what pointed me here and once I did get into engineering it was it was tough it was tough to um to feel like there was going to be a space for all of me in engineering and to feel like I'm on the same like playing field as my peers. Um, yeah, it was definitely tough, but we made it through. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, man, that, that's 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 really good. The fact that you're seeing that um, one shout out, shout out to the potential, like to the teachers that do see potential, because those are the people that do change the trajectory of our lives. Right. Because it's like it's one of those like, you know, make or break where if one teacher said the wrong thing that could easily set you back like, you know, five, 10 years. And the fact they're like, hey, you know what? I really think you'll be good as an engineer, even though you didn't really have any idea. And now um, you're doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to a freshman earlier this week who is actually like I'm in leadership in a student organization here and um she's like interviewing to become an officer right and she mentioned right. to me how helpful it was for her to like attend our zoom meetings this year and to see like 
see upperclassmen as engineers like thriving and she it was just helpful for her to see a human like who a woman who had made it through to senior year and i hadn't even like been done at that point but it was just so encouraging for me to hear that like my presence in engineering was encouraging younger engineers and so that's something that i feel like is just so so powerful and so underrated is like mentoring people who are interested in this and like telling them that there isn't any special trait or quality that you need to be an engineer like i cannot tell you how many times i've gotten this reaction when like people ask me what do you do or like what's your major and i tell them engineering they're like oh my gosh that's crazy i could never that's so wow (laughs) and every time i tell them like actually you could do it you know if you just like decided that's what you wanted to do even if you weren't that good at math like if you just work hard every single day and you grind and you're willing to grind it is possible like you can do it it really is yeah yeah and now now, so talk about that leadership so of course you know um everybody wants to be a leader but most people don't understand what it takes to be a leader my first question for you when it comes to being a um, a a woman in leadership and somebody in a leadership position is, what were some of the things that you've learned on your leadership journey? I know that's a tough question, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's a good question. Definitely communication is such a big thing, um, especially among engineers. I mean, it's a stereotype that engineers can't be like sociable, but unfortunately sometimes it's like kind of true. (laughs) Um, um, Communication is so important and empathy is so important too. I feel like that's something that is sadly very like lacking in the student and a lot of students that I see around me. And so it's almost like when you meet someone who actually genuinely cares about using whatever their skills are to center equity in their field and to make a difference that is meaningful to people who are on the margins of society. And like, it's it's actually really hard to find people like that. Like I, it depends of course where you go and it's great when like certain programs like bring a lot of those like-minded people together. But yeah, I would say communication and like being very clear in expectations, like what I expect of the people um, who are also, you know, working with this organization and what is expected of me. And I think in general, I just thrive when I am in a place where there's a lot of really clear communication and like structures where it's easy to give feedback and receive feedback, things like that. Right, right, right. That's really good. The fact that you were able to break that down because, you know, most people think that leadership is just being a boss. Most people think that leadership is just like you tell people once one thing to do and after that everybody follows. But I think it's more of like, especially now as we moved into the pandemic, right? We have seen how leadership has changed over time. What does it mean to be a leader when you're in a remote situation? What does it mean to be a leader when things are not going well? What does it mean to be a leader when you're not, when even you yourself as a leader are not even sure what that means, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's just such an interesting concept. And I really loved how you put on the forefront communication and empathy and, um, and equity, right? Like it, but, but then see, 
you know, I, I feel like these words are becoming very buzzy words right now. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and, and so I wanted to get your feedback on your like you know, some of your opinions and thoughts about like how can we not make how can we make sure those words are not buzzy but are actually being practical and being demonstrated each and every day. I mean, I feel like the best way to filter out the 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 trendy like buzzword equity from actual like real life equity um, is just you have to wait and see the outcome and the fruits of that equity and like kind of like in the Bible it says how you can tell a false prophet by their fruits just right. you have to like you have if you're someone who is a pro proponent of like true authentic equity you just have to outlast the trend you know because right. there's going to be right now it's trendy and it's a buzzword for sure and there will be maybe a time where it's not and if that's something that we really care about we just have to outlast them right right oh that's tough because you know everybody wants to be seen as the good guy <laughs> yeah and maybe i hope there's ways to like take advantage of that too. take advantage of the fact that maybe right now we are having more conversations about equity and communication and empathy. And hopefully, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's like too optimistic, but maybe there's a way to like harness that energy over this, over these words and terms and things like that, you know? Yeah. 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 I, I definitely think so too, because, um, um, I think more leaders nowadays, and especially as our generation, Generation Z or the Zillennials, are coming into more leadership positions and are and demonstrating their talents and their gifts. You know, we have um, what's her name? Is is her name Andrea Gorman? Right, uh, Andrea or Andre? Who? Yeah, Wait, somebody. Who are you get, talking about? I'm I'm gonna get I'm gonna get yanked for this. Um, the the <laughs> girl that uh, Gorman, the one that um recited the the poets, the poetry. Oh. Amanda. Amanda. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> yeah, please don't kill me. Uh, Amanda Gorman or uh, Greta Thunberg or uh, even young leaders in tech or young leaders in media and also like people that are just standing up because due to the devices that we have, more people are allowed to have a voice. And I I'm really encouraged that, you know, like, we're really being on the forefront and for like of this. And hopefully it, it is something that does continue to be outlasting. Yeah. Um, because it's, isn't very important. And so, I mean, I guess my question is like, what does equity mean to you? Um, great question and huge question, kind of hard to answer in like a few sentences, but yeah, I would say that equity means we are willing to hear everybody out and willing to if there isn't a willing to invite people willing to invite a very diverse and vibrant group of people to the table and if there isn't a spot for them at the table build a special spot for them at the table and like make sure that yeah the way that the table is built isn't 
automatically excluding people, you know, to be willing to go against the way that the system was designed to be whatever it is that we're talking about, whether we're talking about engineering or, you know, higher education ad administration and things like that, whatever it is. My, that's good. That, that, that's that's a that's a great definition. Being able to build a table where like you can specifically make a special room for the table for somebody else, and, and like, yeah, I, I've never heard of that. Because when I heard equity, it's like, oh, hey, you know, like it's where we we all sit, and uh, we just <laughs> talk. <laughs> it's like, huh. And and so now um, I know some people will try to counter argue that as like oh why we should be build a special table in order for that person to feel special don't we all deserve special tables, right? Yeah, people argue and they say if you work hard in this country you could get a seat at the table, but that's why I use that like distinction where for some people working hard isn't enough because a seat for them does not exist at the table and so we just need to rebuild the table. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebuild the table. And so how do we do that? Do we build our own? Do we do we create infrastructure? Do we um I'm <laughs> come on, Miss Future President or uh you guys, I really oh think gosh. Alina's gonna be the future president or somebody really, really important down the line. So I mean, hey. Well, I definitely will not be president, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um yeah, I think I don't have an answer for that question. I think that is a question that we all have to commit to answering in the long run and commit to yeah. like, it's okay, commit to the fact that we probably will never arrive at an answer, but commit to the journey of trying to figure out what that answer is. And just in the little things, like whoever you are, wherever your job is whatever industry it's in like make equity a metric for evaluating whether you were successful at your task or not like right. whatever you're doing whether it's like in finance or in engineering or in some in a working in a grocery store like whatever it is it's still meaningful and there's still a way to do it well Right. Absolutely. And that's so, that's so good. That's so good. And I, I would love your transparency and your candidness. Like, I don't have an answer for that. I mean, cause you know, people out here thinking, Oh, but I got the answer to everything. <laughs> no. Yeah. If I did, maybe I would be making more money than I am now. I don't know. <laughs> like no. I wish there was a clear cut answer, but unfortunately I don't think there is. Yeah. Not yet. Not yet. Anyways. I mean, there will always be an answer soon enough. And if so, um, now my next question for you is, um, you're about to graduate, dog. You are about to graduate um, um, from a very great um, institution that has done um, incredible things this past year, sports mm -hmm. winning, school programs going up, having a great, at least a, a way better uh, COVID-19 um, structure and bring everybody back and, you know, things are now opened up again. So my question for you is, um, how have you felt like you've changed since freshman year? You know, as you reflect, as you as you're getting ready to walk the stage, um, yeah, like talk about like your journey, like throughout Baylor and how you felt like you've changed. <laughs> freshman, like think about like freshman year, Lena, to now. <laughs> yeah, I I've definitely changed a lot. I think one thing that has kept me really grounded is just pursuing a relationship with Christ. 
and making that a goal and like just a, a big priority in my life. So I think I'm I'm just really thankful for that looking back and for the like growth that kind of centered around that and happened around that because I feel like it gives me the ability to look back and um, like appreciate the growth and not be like, I don't know, like I was such an embarrassing freshman. Like it, it is what it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing that comes to mind though is I think as a freshman, I, at that just point in my life in general and like in high school, I feel like I found a lot of my worth and this is kind of getting a little deep, but uh, that's what we're here for. So yeah, finding yeah. Um, finding my worth really in like how other people perceive me. And this is a big part of being a Enneagram too, if, if you know the Enneagram and just like walking into a room and not feeling fully content until I knew everybody knew who I was and like liked me, you know, and yeah. measuring my, my worth that way. And I feel like I've thankfully, thankfully been able to really mellow out a lot with that and just not find my worth in how other people perceive me. And I still, still want to be liked, well-liked and like want to form relationships but it's it's more about like the fewer relationships that I'm very invested in where like the opinions of those people matter a lot to me and the opinions of a random room of people just don't matter to me anymore so yeah 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 and and so I uh, like I guess uh, another thing is like how did you get to that place because I feel like a lot of people um, everywhere struggle with this. I mean, of course, you know, it's our nature to have community. It's our nature to to want to be liked or whatever. But um, what are some practical steps for any young freshman or for anybody to get to that point where it's like, you know what? Um, I don't mind what these people think about me just from your experience. That's a really good question. I think the most practical step that I can give at this point in my life with the knowledge and experience that I have is just to like, just to kind of keep going. Like there isn't, I feel like there's not a checklist that'll or a bullet point list that'll work for everybody. But as long as I feel like your priorities and your goals are in the right, right places and really like investing in friendships with people who are going to be uplifting and are going to value the same things that you value is so important. And um, yeah, just surrounding yourself with a great group of people, I feel like has been the best thing that has come out of college for me. And just, yeah, be, be diligent and consistent with who you are. And also, if if you are someone like me who struggles with shame and struggles with, with feeling with like catching myself in that moment like i realize oh my gosh i just like really placed my worth in what these people thought of me and then the reaction is automatically shame like try to like i just try to build in that moment i try to like recognize what i'm feeling and like build like a new a new pathway and just be like i'm just not gonna 
feel shame about this right now. And I'm just going to offer myself a little bit of very radical grace and forgiveness and move on with my life. And just doing that consistently over a period of time, I feel like can result in character change that's more permanent and long-term, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. Ooh, that's really, really good. The fact that you said from this little thing into more of like a character change and evolving, that that's that's some powerful. And like the fact that like you know you have done the practice of being able to identify, and then having like you know I guess like one of the things that I've learned in therapy is like a paradigm shift of shifting mm -hmm. your paradigms. Like you know what, I'm not gonna feel ashamed of that. I know this might have happened. But I'm going to take these proactive steps of rather than being self-deprecating, blaming or whatever to give myself grace, understand, acknowledge what has happened, but continue to understand and move forward. Because at the end of the day, when you think about it is most of the time people really don't care about you. <laughs> like that's a beautiful thing. Like when you realize most people don't care because they're too busy in their own head anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very freeing thing to realize. Yeah, yeah. Man, this is some gems, man. I'm picking, I'm picking stuff up uh, for anybody in the audience. I hope, like, you know, type F in the chat. Oh, this, is, this is not Twitch. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, this is so, so good just for you to say that. And um, so now, so now, so now, a little bit of like Wait, hey, I can't. I'm hearing a lot of static for some reason, and I'm not able to hear you very well. Okay. Hello. Yes, this is great. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. Microphone does that sometimes. Um, now, so now these are more of like a little bit. I want to be respectful of your time because you do got to go at six thirty. Uh, but um, because six oh nine right now. But um, my question for you is like these are more like bigger, a little bit of a bigger topics. Is like, you know, a lot has a lot has changed <laughs> since the pandemic and everything, and so. My question for you is, what are some things that you would like to see change in the United States? You know, like um, from your humble perspective. So much. <laughs> <laughs> so many things. Um, this isn't even, well, it, this is an important thing. Something I was talking about with a friend today, like we don't have any digital identification with our vaccinations right now. And so, she is her her home is in korea and she's going there now and she's fully vaccinated but because there's no real way out other than like a physical card to like track that in the us she has to quarantine for two weeks when she gets home um versus like in south korea you just get like when you get vaccinated like attaches to your like social security or what whatever version of that they have there so yeah definitely vaccine rollout and like what that looks like for sure is a is a very immediate one um but let's see um the voting system the way that it's so easy to suppress votes and to not give people a fighting chance and the way that our current political system is so so bipartisan and it kind of prevents positive change from happening in either parties and it really 
often feels like people don't have people have to choose between the lesser of two evils, like a really unfortunate thing. Um, well, hopefully this is something that we will see some like change in, but like our infrastructure, like our physical infrastructure in a lot of places, especially in neighborhoods with who are just financially lower incomes and more on the margins of society infrastructure is like crumbling and it's really old and um it sounds like with the current administration there will be a lot more like funding to do that so we'll see we'll see yeah um yeah a big thing that i am interested in is like environmental equity and justice and the way that and that ties in with the infrastructure as well the way that people who are on the margins of society often get stuck with just the the really long end of the equation like they end up being the place where the power plant gets built and then they are stuck breathing in the fumes or like they don't have good storm stormwater infrastructure and so they those neighborhoods end up flooding the most when the people who live there are the least you know able to recover financially from that so it just feels like there's so many things in america that like it concentrates like all of these negative effects on the poorest of our country right so whether that's like health insurance or environmental things or infrastructure or even like local politics like who gets elected to local offices and ends up in impacting that city the most i feel like yeah it's really hard to be poor in this country yeah it is it is yeah it is but I think the, um, the optimism in the part, the optimist in me saying that is that is changing. People like Kelly, people like Keith, people like you, and so many other people like who are changing the face and the narrative of this, um, who are standing up and who continue to utilize their gifts and their talents in order to create that change. And I think it's more like as the country continues to become more progressive, um, not even not just ideology or left right but just more intentional and more thorough about climate change about the way how we affect things and how our infrastructure and how our laws and policies do change that um it, it's going to bring something better you know um and again i say this again you're going to do something big in public servant i'm just saying <laughs> yeah i'm just i'm just saying Right. No, we'll see. I'm like, I, I could definitely see myself becoming a public servant in some way. Yeah. We'll see though. Yeah. We'll see. You know, we'll see. We're still young. You know, we still got time. We still got time. I mean, I can say the same for you too. I, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> next question. Um, <laughs> um, but the last thing is like, now as we continue to move on to the bigger questions, my first last question for you is, um, what are three things that you would tell to your 18 year old self? Hmm. Number one, I would tell her 
would give her some reassurance that like you are in the right place and you are yeah you're making the right decision to become an engineer and to go to Baylor and that there is not a single point in time that God is gonna abandon you and not take care of you financially and surround you with the greatest community um so just just some reassurance there 18 year old me was pretty stressed out about the future um yeah honestly i feel like all three of mine would have to do with like reassurance in some way like it's gonna be okay you're gonna be taken care of financially and um there's so much personal growth ahead of you so just like hang tight and take it day by day and like don't worry so much and um, there's a lot of healing that's going to be in your future for sure and as an 18 year old I feel like life feels it, it feels like you're becoming an adult for the first time and so I mean I also recognize I'm 21 right now and I if I like listen back to this in a few years I'm gonna be like I was so dumb but (laughs) we love that we love that (laughs) right it's like there's just a lot of healing and a lot of good things happening and you don't need to worry so much you just kind of take it day by day so true that's so good my last question would be what do you want your legacy to be my legacy yeah i want my legacy i want to be known as someone who who yeah is the opposite of shame who really like fights against shame in my own life and in the lives of my friends and does that by very radically loving people around me, including myself. And and doing all of that by the power and the grace of Christ living in me. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 That's, that's such a, that's so selfless. That's such a good way. And, um, and with that being said, that's, I think that's a great perfect way just to cap off the the podcast. And so now with that, um, this is my last segment of the show. It's called the speak life where I just speak life with my guest. Um, to my guests and give them their flowers and let them know because you know James it says um, life and death is spoken from the tongue so here it is Alina just want to say you're a really rad gal um, no your intentionality your service mindset your humility and the way that your work ethic um, is all a, a accumulation of everything that's who you are and who you're going to be it, it's such an honor to um, to be a friend, um, to be a coworker, and also just to see how each and everything that you say is not something that you're just saying it out of your out of thin air, but it's your life, it's the way that you live your life. So it is such an honor just to see that how you continue to move and how you navigate your life is predicated on these values, these core values of love, empathy, leadership, strength, and, and wisdom, and understanding that you're not doing it by yourself. You are aware that it's by the creator, by the source, 
you know, you give all glory to that and how you, your, your mindset in order to help people. It's so, it's such an inspiration. So I'm inspired by you. Um, I'm grateful for you. And I just want to say that I have nothing but huge love for you and who you are. And I'm, and I'm grateful for what God is going to do for your life in the future. And, um, you know, you're going to do some amazing things. So thank you for taking the time to come onto the show, share your perspective, share your insights, and, um, and, and being a light. You're amazing. Thank you so much, Tanaka. I mean, I feel like you are constantly encouraging and speaking life into me, and I'm so grateful for that and really so thankful, like genuinely so thankful for your friendship and how randomly it happened this semester. But yeah, I'm so grateful. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, anyway, where can the people find you at? <laughs> you can find me on Instagram, I guess, or um, LinkedIn. I don't know. <laughs> uh, just email me or DM me on Instagram. You could do that. Yeah. Should I tell you my handle? Is that what I should do? It's already in the link in the bio. If you okay. want to talk to her. Um, she's super cool, yeah. So if you want to interview her for your podcast or whatever, she has great stuff to say and she's such a leader. But anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for everybody who tuned in and tapped in for this live episode. And you can hear back on Anchor and all other podcast platforms soon. Thank you so much. And we hope you have a blessed day. Peace. Thank you so much for taking a chance to listen slash watch the podcast episode. Super grateful for all your support. Make sure you follow us on social media at Campus Cuts Pod. Be able to check out the YouTube, um, Twitch, and as well as Twitter, Periscope live streams. If you want to have a chance to get the replay, make sure you share it to your friends, families, significant others, and anybody that is interested in listening to authentic conversations with great guests and people. Make sure you do that. Thanks so much for all the help. Tap in. Have a blessed day.